Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. I'm going to continue in this series that I'm looking at about the kingdom of God. And like Mike said, just a quick review if you weren't here last week. The kingdom of God is increasing. And we came down to the idea that the kingdom of God is within. Now, if you, didn't, if you weren't here last week or you, you kind of forgot where we were, I know a lot happens during the week, I would encourage you to go back. We sent out an email with all the list of uh, scriptures from the last message. And I went through this idea of how there was all these prophecies, Daniel, Isaiah, all pointing to prophesying about the coming kingdom of God. The Jews were waiting for the coming Messiah, waiting for the kingdom of God to be established on this earth. And they were constantly pushing Jesus, when's the kingdom coming, when's the kingdom coming? They were looking for a ruler and a king that would show up and, and dominate the planet and set up an external ruling kingdom. Jesus came and said, no, the kingdom is within. It doesn't come with outward observation. It's within you. But the prophecies are very interesting because we put kingdom thinking and kingdom living off into the future. But if you look at Daniel and Isaiah, they prophesy of this mountain that's cast into the earth that destroys all of the world's governments and kingdoms. And once that mountain is cast into the earth, or that rock is cast into the earth, it will continue to grow into this mountain that takes over the planet through which God rules and reigns. And Isaiah and then Jesus coming and prophesying, again, all these from last week, uh, shows that when Jesus came to this earth, when Jesus was birthed into this earth, that is when the rock was cast into the earth. That is when that stone that becomes the mountain of God, the kingdom of God, fully established on this planet, began. Amen? Jesus said, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, change your mind. You have to change the way that you think because the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God. And so then they start asking him. So let's look at this. And just to kind of frame your mind a little bit, I want to start in Philippians 3.20. I love this. This is... Uh, are, you know, just reaffirming the idea of you being a citizen in his kingdom now. But our citizenship is in heaven. Just think about that. I'm a citizen of heaven. Are you, are you a proud Georgian? Sorry, flip the script on you for a minute. I love Georgia. Are you a proud American? Are you a proud heavenite? I don't know, what do we say there? I just made that up. You know what I mean? Like, do you think of yourself that way? You know, I'm a proud citizen of heaven. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it, and, and from it we await a Savior, <clears throat> the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. Come on. By the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. And then Luke 17, 20, this is kind of a reminder of last week too. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, because, you know, he's they're, 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 the Pharisees knew Scripture. They knew that the Messiah was coming, and they had expectations associated with that. And so these guys are the people that understood or were supposed to have understood 
God's prophecies. And so they're challenging Jesus, I think rightfully so, but they just didn't get it. So he answered and said to them, The kingdom of God comes not with outward observation, neither shall they say, Look here or look there, for behold. And when he says behold, it's a declaration. The kingdom of God is within you. Now, that rock that was cast into the earth will become that mountain. There will be that time, that end, whatever, the, whatever it looks like. We may have a few bad years in front of us, but don't let yourself buy into this idea that the world is just going to get darker and darker and darker, and it's like the, king, the family of God gets weaker and weaker and weaker until God has to send a rescue mission in, and then heaven can happen. You know, I, I'm not trying to make an eschatological statement. I'm just saying if you look at the prophecies about the kingdom, it started when Jesus was born, and it will continue to increase. I mean, it, there's, it's very interesting. Now, I, I didn't have all the stats ready, but if you look at the condition of the world right now, now, if you're watching CNN, Fox News, and mainstream media, you're not going to get this. But if you look at global stats of the condition of the world, there's less global hunger than ever before. There's less po abject poverty than ever before. People on this planet are caring about, caring about people in other countries like never before. Uh, all the, so the, the infant mortality rate is lower. The amount of diseases that are taking people's lives is lower. Like all the things that we consider bad are all lower. And it's like, wait a minute. I know that if you have a particular view of the end times and what it's supposed to look like, your brain might be on tilt right now. But forget all that for just a moment and realize his kingdom came with him and it will continue to increase forever. Amen? Amen. To the increase of his kingdom, there shall be no end. Now, if the external world does what some people expect, whatever, but internally you can experience kingdom living right in the middle of just, I mean, think about the Israelites in the desert that roamed for 40 years, and they didn't, their shoes didn't wear out, their clothes didn't wear out, and they weren't hungry. They might not have liked the food, but all they had to do was follow the, the fire and the cloud, and everything they... That's, that is an example of kingdom living. And then, and then he says things like, you know, I wanted to give you honey out of the rock. God wanted more for them than what they were even experiencing in that moment. It, what should have been like a two-week journey took them 40 years. Why? Because in their hearts, they didn't mix the promise with faith. In other words, God promised that he would take them through and deliver them into a land. And, and he had to wait a generation for those, the doubting and unbelieving older people to die out so that the younger people that only knew, hey, all I, you know, these kids are born, they wake up, oh, there's a the cloud, there's the fire we're going to follow, there's food. That's all they know. That generation entered in because that generation trusted God. You know, the testing that was in the wilderness was not God testing them. It was them testing God. That's in Hebrews. God wanted to take them straight through into the promised land, even in the midst of the arid climate. So let's keep going here. The question is, how do we live as citizens in his kingdom now? Let's look at John 16, 12. So that, go back to that statement for just a minute. Now, I want to talk about a subject that us charismatic types can get a little flaky on. You know, at this point, when I, when I hear someone say, 
God told me, or God said, I'm like, oh boy, here we go. But if it's backed up by Scripture, and it's a result of consistent living according to His Word of God that produces fruit of the Spirit as described in His Word, then I'll listen to that person. But when somebody's like, eh, God told me this, God told me that, and I look at their lives and it's like, I, I, maybe he did, but I don't see a track record of your life that shows me that you have consistently applied what you think God told you yesterday. Are you with me? I know you're studying it, you're paying attention, because here's, here's the reason you're not hearing an answer to what you're praying for now, it's because you didn't apply the last answer that he gave you. The last time you prayed and you felt inspired by God and you were motivated to act on his word and you didn't, desensitizes you a little bit more each time to not apply it the next time. I'm telling you, you don't need ever, you don't need another word from God if you just applied what he's already told you and taught you. But if you have a consistent track record of when you pray and you feel like God told me, you do it. Say, do it. You apply it. You live within it in that moment. You act. Then you start consistently building a life where you are following the leading of the Holy Spirit. What we do is we sit back and we wait for God to show up and give us some information and call it revelation, not having confident in the last confidence in the last time and then say well you know I, I just don't understand god bless you i mean i'm telling you i know that's challenging but watch where we go because we should expect God to speak to us. We should expect to hear from God and be led by God. Let's go through these. John 16, 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when the spirit of truth comes, say spirit of truth. So you need the spirit of truth to filter what God's going to say to you. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Now this is, there, so I'm going to start kind of building your homework because we're going to consistently pray this week and we're going to listen to what we feel like he's saying to us with the intention of applying it, but it's got to line up with truth. So when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak of his own authority. It's interesting, right? Like when you hear things like this and you think about Trinity, uh, you wish you understood that a little bit more, but it's interesting. So, but whatever he hears, he will speak. God is speaking. You cannot deny that. Some people say, well, that was only to the apostles. That was only to the original disciples to get the church established. He doesn't do that anymore. Well, you know, you're in the wrong church if that's where you believe. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. God will make declarations in your heart of the truth and it's up to you to act on it. That is what hearing God looks like. Hearing God is not really for the purpose of you got a little bit of information that you didn't have before or you got some secret understanding that you can stand up and teach and wow people with and somebody says, oh, I never heard that before. 
meh, whatever, you know, who cares about that kind of stuff? What I want is for you to hear God in a way where you make a course correction in your life and it changes your life. It changes your emotions. It changes how you treat your children. It changes how you uh, handle your finances. It changes your marriage in a positive way that brings fruit that glorifies God. Those are the kinds of things that we should be looking to hear from God. I mean, when was the last time you prayed and got God, got direction from God for your marriage or for your job? I mean, we, we pray and ask God to do things, but do we actually pray and say, God, I, I need some steps here, and then actually think that you got a part to play to move? <laughs> he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. See, God will speak to you. He will give you wisdom and revelation to do his will. All right, so let me just read these next couple of passages, and then I'll, I'll kind of give you your homework and what we're talking about doing to, 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 try, to, to try to develop a consist, consistent way of hearing from God and applying it, not just getting information from him, not just having an interesting encounter with God, but actually taking instruction from him and, put, and, and putting it into practice. So Ephesians 1, 7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. That phrase is important. According to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding, and he has made known to us the majesty of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to bring all things in heaven and on earth together in Christ. That, I mean, I'm telling you, that's a mouthful. The plan of God is this, that he is bringing all things together on heaven, in heaven and on earth together in Christ. And it starts in you. The kingdom of heaven is within. You have a huge part to play in the plan of God. Because if he's bringing everything on heaven and in earth together, do you think he's talking about the rocks and the trees and the fish? I mean, what is he talking about, bringing all things together on earth and in heaven? He's talking about the souls of men. That's what he's trying to do. Now, mankind has their own will in the midst of that to respond to God's will. God doesn't just, he's not like a, you know, Selfish kid in a toy box if he doesn't get, you know, forcing his way. God's not a bully. He gives you free will. He gives you the choice to respond to him or not, to live within this promised kingdom that is increasing right now. <clears throat> so God's kingdom is increasing. Ephesians 1, we're going to skip down to 16. Paul's praying. He says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers and asking that God, asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the glorious Father, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in your knowledge of him. Some translations say in the knowledge of him. All right, now, here's where we're going. This is what I want you to remember this week, this idea of the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I'm going to talk about that in just a little bit. But I ask so that the glorious Father may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in your knowledge of him. So in your knowledge of him, Think about that. In your knowledge of Jesus, God wants to give you wisdom and revelation. 
You see that? All right. I ask that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know the hope of his calling, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and the surpassing greatness of his power to us who believe. So this idea of knowledge, wisdom, and revelation. I have some definitions for you. So God wants to, Paul's praying that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, in the knowledge of Christ, or in your knowledge of Christ. So your knowledge of Christ is what we're talking about here. This is what we're working with. Your knowledge of Christ, what he did for you, who he is, who he is in you, and who you are in him, your knowledge of Christ, God is seeking to give you wisdom and revelation in that knowledge. Do you see that? It's not just some random idea of the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. You know, like, like, you don't, like it's not rooted in the knowledge of Christ. But knowledge is only one thing. It's information. Like you might know something, you might not know something. There's a lot of people that know Scripture and don't have any wisdom. In other words, they don't live it. So knowledge is having information. Wisdom is applying that knowledge. God will show you how to apply what you know. Now, this is why it's important to know the Word of God. You have to know Scripture, especially your identity in Him. You know, that's why we spend so much time talking about who you are in Christ. There will be a blog post on the church website with a whole list of in Christ identity passages. I'm going to get that up right after church today. Go to the website. It's just forward.church. Church is an extension now, so www.forward.church. Go to that and make sure that you have the knowledge of him. All right? The knowledge of him, meaning what he did for you, who he is to God, who he is to the earth, uh, who you are in him, all of those kinds of things. You know, Paul said, I only want to know Christ and him crucified. It's time to put some knowledge of him in there, in here so that he can breathe on it and give you wisdom and revelation. You know, you might get wisdom and revelation of what the 12th stone on the right side of his throne looks like. You might get some revelation and wisdom on, you know, what angels are doing right now. That's fine. But what he's really seeking to give you wisdom and revelation on is your knowledge of Christ. It's all about Jesus. Amen? So... Revelation is when the eyes, sticking with the consistency of all these definitions here, is when the eyes of your heart are enlightened. Revelation is the word apocalypsis. Say it with me. Apocalypsis. That word revelation means uncover, lay bare, or make naked, and instruction. So the idea is this. Something is uncovered, and there's instruction with it. You know, if you're looking for revelation just to get some interesting ideas, you're not going to see it. But if you're looking for revelation with the intention to apply what it is that you've been taught, you'll see it. And if you apply it, you'll see more. And if you continue to apply it, you will develop a lifestyle of living spirit-led by revelation. But it's an uncovering. It's not when God decides to give you some information that you didn't previously have. There really isn't any inf more information to get. It's all revealed in his word. The difference is, do you have the wisdom to apply what he has revealed? So revelation is when your heart can see what was previously covered. 
but not covered necessarily even by God. Maybe, maybe not. Revelation, again, is not when God says, you need some information, I'm going to give you this information. It's not about information. It's about being able to live within what you already know. I used to wrestle. Any wrestlers in the room? Anybody wrestle? One. I don't mean wrestling. I mean wrestling, like high school wrestling. Okay, good. I can see you WWE slamming Iron Sheik type style, you know. My dad owned a bar, and all those wrestlers used to come in, and they, he, had a, he had their names, like, in the, in the uh, bar, embedded in the bar in Hapeville. Anybody ever know the Scotch House? Stardust Club? Only one person, so we said, ooh. Yeah, that's my background. Anyway, Andre the Giant, people like that would come in there. Yeah. It's like, oh, now it's starting to make more sense. Anyway. But... I would go up there and DJ, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> at 13, 14, DJing in the bar. Woo! <clears throat> but wrestling, uh, I'm glad y'all like me, you know, because this could really go bad. Yeah. But wrestling, you know, every day, especially when you make varsity, you're drilling three hours a day. 150 takedown drills, 150 mat drills and they're calling out the names, and you drill them three or four times, and it's just, man, it's just exhausting. You know, I get tired thinking about it. But I learned a lot of discipline in it. But when you're out there on the mat, you're not thinking about turkey bar, figure four, spiral ride. You're not thinking about any of that kind of stuff. You just do it. It's ingrained within you. You know, you got that database in you, and you just, whatever moment you're in, it just comes out. You don't even think about it. That's the way the Word of God should be. It should be so ingrained in your heart and in your mind that when God does breathe and give you some instruction, it's familiar to you because you've seen it in the Word of God, you've thought about it, you've looked ahead into your life, and you've seen what it looks like to live it, and then you can walk in it and apply it. But see, we don't put, the, we don't put our mind in the place to look forward through the lens of the Word. In other words, what does it feel like? I mean, you know, he says, the borrower is slave to the lender. God is not interested in you being in debt. So it's God's will for you to not be in debt. So if that's what God wants for me, what does it feel like to not be in debt? If that's what he wants for me, you know, so here's what we do. We say, God, send me a magic check in the mailbox, please, and I will take care of this debt. Your heart's not involved in that. You know, we say, God, well, if you will move on this, I know, I know this rich person, they could come in, they could pay this off. Or, God, if you would give me this and that, da, da, da. and it's like, you start looking for God to manipulate the world outside of you. But if you can own it on the inside of you and see it for you now, then it's not that you magically manifest it and bring it to you. What happens is you start to think that way so you will recognize the opportunities that God is leading you to so that his will will be established in your life. Did you catch that? What you're doing is you're shaping how you think so that you think like God thinks and you will follow him when he instructs you to follow him. Amen? So what does it look like? God doesn't want you to be in debt. Borrow a slave to the lender. Uh, what does it feel like? Like right now, if you're in debt, what, is it, what would it feel like to just be out of debt? Like, can you see that as a reality now? 
Because what happens is when you start thinking about your future, when you start thinking about finances, you feel the weight of that debt and you make decisions according to how you feel about that debt in the moment. But if you remove and you own God's will for you in this moment, then he's got something, he's got a heart that is suggestible to him to make those kinds of decisions, to make the decisions free from worry and fear in the circumstance, to make the decisions in agreement with his will for you. See, this is what we have to get used to doing is looking at his word, knowing his will for us, making sure that we agree with it in our hearts and even in our emotions so that when he leads you in a direction to step into that will, you'll follow and follow through. That's why you come to church regularly. That's why you, you put in your mind and in your heart who you are in Christ. It's why you pray. It's why you read the Word. So there's something in there for God to work with. It's not because you're trying to keep God happy or stay blessed or rebuke the devourer or make me happy or any of that kind of stuff. It's because you need it in there because God, that's what God's going to work with. He will illuminate and teach you how to apply your knowledge of Christ. That's revelation. To consistently live within that is true spirit-led living, and it's real. It's not some flaky thing like your heart's not involved in that. Uh, <clears throat> so I've got a few statements here. Let me just read these about revelation. And, I, and, and you know, this, this, is, this is just my revelation of how to work these things. You know, I am on an endless pursuit to say things clearly so that it helps, so that it helps us... Uh, you know, live consistently in this. All right, so talking about revelation. All right, it's not an endless pursuit of mystery. It's an ever-deepening relationship through which God glorifies himself or moves through us with our collaboration until we collectively transform into a mature family, enjoying the kind of life he's offered for all. Revelation is twofold. It comes when you have placed attention, time, and study in the area you need revelation and increase your knowledge and understanding, then you can see how God will teach you to walk in it. It's also when God directly relates to you for the purpose of increasing understanding or revealing knowledge. You know, there are times when we see when God will speak for the purpose of training something that you didn't know. And my people perish for lack of knowledge, so he's seeking that you get it in there. Revelation is when God helps you understand how to wisely apply knowledge in an area. Ultimately, revelation is when you see God's glory. Now, glory is the view and opinion of God. It's how God sees things. When we think of glory, we think gold dust or angel feathers or something like that, you know. But glory, the very first definition of the word doxa in the Greek is view and opinion. The glory of God is God's view and opinion, how God sees things. When you see things the way God sees things, it's glorious. When this world matches God's view and opinion of what he wants it to look like, it's glorious. When you apply his view, his ways, glory comes to God, right? It, it glorifies him. In other words, it looks like he wants it to look. That's glory. That's doxa. It's interesting. We don't really have a concept or a word for that in English. 
But in Greek, you, you understand it, you know. When, when something happens the way God wants it, and it's a glorious thing, well, that's just, that's his view and opinion. His will is done. When the will of God is seen and clearly accomplished, he gets glory. It's hap- it, it is the way he wants it to be. Amen? Did I say that enough? I think I said it eight different ways. <laughs> the reason you don't allow yourself to receive revelation is because you don't have the intention to act on what's being revealed. You won't let yourself see it. See, what we do, let me finish. So when you are willing to yield to his will, the truth you need will no longer be covered. What we do is we're like, God, show me something. Then I'm going to evaluate it and see if I think it's going to work or not. (laughs) You laugh, but isn't that what you do? If you're honest with yourself, it's what you do. You pray, you hear something, and you go, that ain't going to work. And you hadn't taken one step. And then you say, well, God, why aren't you moving? And we dull our heart a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. Not because you're wicked and evil, but because you're not acting on his instruction. If you're seeking revelation, if you are praying and asking God for wisdom and revelation, for answers where you are, make sure you are ready to act on what he says. Now, for me, I made the decision in my heart. I told him, I said, look, I don't, I don't think I'm discerning enough. So when you speak to me, Lord, I'd also like some scripture with it. And, and he's like, all right. And it works for me. A proverb will come up, you know, some passage, identity passage will come up. Here's, here's how I have consistently applied this. When I pray, it always looks like this. I acknowledge who God is in that area. Then I notice that he speaks back to me who I am in him in that area. In other words, what it looks like for me. For, for to, to experience his character in this area. I get a vision for it. I feel it in my emotions. I see myself there. And many times I just stop. It's like, all right, I've got this area that I'm dealing with. I've got this situation. I've got this thing going on. God, this is who you are. And, and I, if I focus on him long enough, it will begin to emanate back to me who I am because I am in him. And many times it just stops. And I'm like, okay, I know who I am. I know who I am in this situation, now I'm going to go forward in this. And then if there is a third step, a scripture will rise up that is an application step, and I will put that thing into practice. And, and, and I'm telling you, consistently it works. That is how we have done things debt-free for a long time with this church. That is how, you know, we raise our children. That is how we make the decisions that we make about their school and their opportunities and when I'm praying for people that are struggling in this church or somebody emails me, like some guy emailed me last week that is, uh, I think he's in North Carolina and the other one's in Oklahoma. I, I forget, they're several states away, but they're taking a message a day from our ministry here, listening to it together, and then they get on and they talk about it because apparently it's working for them to get something out of this, you know. And it's like, so they email me and I'm thinking, okay, here's these people that want something consistent. What can I do for them? And so I pray and it's like, okay, well, God shows me this. Because people, a lot of times, they don't know what to ask for. So, you know, it's not just the little things. It's like, 
Can you think about that? I mean, there's two people sitting there doing that every day. I'm thinking, wow, that's kind of weird, Lord, but I don't, I don't want to fail them, so I want to have something to give to what can, how, Who am I in this situation, Lord, and who are you? Now, what action is there for me to take? You know, it's not, well, I'm not enough, or, you know, let's use it for this or that. It, it's just the response. So, who is he? Who am I? What's the step? Amen? So here's your homework, though, because a lot of times we pray, and it's all about lack. It's all about what we need from him and what we want him to do, and you have your laundry list, and you're telling, not only are you telling him what you need and he already knows, you're also telling him how to bring it about, rather than listening for what steps to take so that you'll walk into it. See, the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you into truth. So what's God's truth? That's what he's leading you into. But are you going to take the steps? So I want to kind of get, I want to give you some homework. I'm going to uh, probably put this out in an email too, or I might even just shoot a video in the Forward Church uh, Facebook group to um, walk. I'll just do this in front of you, so to speak. I'm not going to take the time to do it here, but we're going to look at Ephesians 3, Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3, and just slowly step through it. Uh, you can do it on your own. We're going to read it here in just a minute. You don't necessarily need me to show you how to do it. The Holy Spirit's a way better teacher than I am, trust me. But I'll put it out there because I think it could be helpful. But what I want you to do is get in the practice of when you pray, quit telling God what to do. Assume that he already knows what you need and acknowledge him, right? Just acknowledge who he is and make sure that you know who you are in him because of what Christ has done for you. And just sit with that and trust that his will is better than your will and that he knows what you need better than you know what you need. And even if you have to let go of something, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I'm telling you, if you really do this, you'll sit down and you'll pray and you'll feel like, oh, I don't, I don't think I want to let go. I don't, you know, whether it be addiction or whether it be a certain way of thinking or whether it be, you know, complaining about your job all the time. You know, I mean, people really get a lot of pleasure out of complaining about their job. I hear it a lot. <laughs> God can show you a way out of anything that you have gotten yourself into. <laughs> Bring glory to his name, and it will be good. So let's read this, Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Now, I've said it before. I say it regularly in here. Verse 16 is probably the best functional description of grace. It doesn't really say the word grace in here, but when you understand what grace is, this is a description of how it works. It's a strength out of his riches in your inner man. That's what grace is. Grace is a divine influence in your heart. It is unexpected, uh, undeserved favor, but if you look Continue to look at the definition in a good lexicon. It talks about how grace is a capacity, an ability, an influence in your heart, heart being your inner man, that place where you believe, that place where you make decisions from. You know, it's with the heart 
that we believe unto righteousness. Even physically, your physical heart has more neurons than your brain. Now they're understanding that your physical heart actually sends signals to your brain, and your brain will respond. It's like your brain processes what you believe. If your beliefs are stored in your heart, and we, you know, there's kind of a spirit, soul, body connection there, your, your beliefs are sending electrical signals to your brain. Your brain is processing it, and then that gets produced in your body. Your brain is not, there is an, uh, well, I'm getting real deep here for a minute, but there is the autonomic nervous system, the parasympathetic, sympathetic <laughs> nervous system that controls all of your bodily functions. Like, you don't have to think about breathing. When you think about breathing, you get weird about it. You know, I think God was like, he was, he was programming humans, and he's like, Okay, let's see. They don't need to worry about their heartbeat. I'm just going to go ahead and control, make their body do that without worrying about it. They don't need to worry about their immune system. Let's just go ahead and program that. Body's going to do that. Then you have to think about it. That's your autonomic nervous system, parasympathetic, sympathetic nervous system, controlling all that stuff. You don't have to think about that kind of stuff. Grace is the same way if you'll let it work through you. It will do what it's going to do. You just have to respond to it. Your heart is even sending signals. I think electrical belief signals to your brain and you are filtering what you agree with and don't agree with and you have in your life what you believe. We're actually going there next week. Whoo! <laughs> All right. 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. That right there, I want you to take time this week every day. For just a couple of minutes, read that and just think about, okay, he is out of his glorious riches. He is granting to me to be strengthened with his power in my inner being. And you just become aware of that, you know? It's almost like that tree out there is absorbing nutrients out of the ground. It's the same type of process. You're just willing to, to recognize and yield to the idea that God is giving you strength. Right now, even in this moment, you can yield. You can turn the eyes of your heart because you want the eyes of your heart to be enlightened, to receive and draw on that strength. That strength will produce all kinds of fruit. It will produce peace. It will produce patience. And it will produce ideas to help you apply to your life to experience his glory in that area, no matter what's going on externally. So, so that Christ will dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. So the foundation is love, God's love for you. You root and ground yourself in his love for you. It will better prepare your heart to receive his strength. May have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know, to experience the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So it's kind of like he's giving you a model of prayer here. He's saying, focus on God. He's giving you strength. Make sure that you're rooted in his love for you, and you will know his will. And then he deals with externals. He says, now to him which is able to do far more abundantly all that you can ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. All of that to bring it down to this. Hearing from God 
is not a flaky thing. It's not something that stopped back in the origin of the church. It is an active part of our relationship with God in this moment, but it can be a consistent thing. You can consistently sit and acknowledge that God is interacting with you, that he's giving you strength and affirming who you are in him and sit within that to make sure that you, you, you're willing to actually believe his promises. You're willing to actually believe that he will lead and guide you and show you things to come and give you steps to take. But if your heart's not in it, if it's not rooted in experiencing his love for you, understanding that he's strengthening you in this moment with the intention to apply it. I'm telling you, that has to be it. When you sit down, intend that you're going to, when you stand up, you're going to put into practice whatever it is that you just heard. Are you with me? So maybe even get a notebook. You can go to that last slide there just to fin finish the thought. Maybe get a notebook and keep it by your table wherever it is. How many of you have a specific place that you like to pray? Yeah, I mean, I have about four or five. It kind of moves around. I mean, I really kind of feel like I'm praying all the time, but there are times when I sit down and I'm, I'm specifically seeking to make sure that my mind is being renewed, that I'm aware of him, that I'm impressionable to him, and that there's something happening that's going to produce a change. You know, I think be, just thinking about him and, you know, you buddies with God and, and, and you're hanging out with him all day, that's cool. But also do this. Take intentional time, even if it's five, I'm telling you, man, a lot of these sermons that I get, I'll think about it, think about it, think about certain scriptures, but the order that they come, it always comes in less than 60 seconds. It's like, brrr. It's like, okay, I'm thinking about it, thinking. It's like wrestling practice. I'm doing these moves, thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it, and then I'll say, boom, 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 boom. Oh, okay, there's the progression. That's the idea. That's the point. He'll do that in every area of our lives. So get you a notebook. I'm, I want you to remember this because we can come to church and we can get information and we can feel good when these guys are killing it in the band. But don't we want to live his word out? Get you a notebook and, and you can do it on your computer. That's fine. But it's better if you write it because there's something with your, your brain and your handwriting that just makes it more ingrained a part of you. So sit down when you go through this Ephesians 3 prayer, you're making yourself aware of him. You're, you're being still and you're acknowledging him. Uh, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. That's what you're looking for, right? Now, you're not looking necessarily for information, but you're looking, you know, you, you may not even really know what you're looking for. But, but be willing to write down what the response is and then, and then look at it and see if there's a step within it. So you're going to go through this Ephesians 3 prayer. You're going to acknowledge him. You're going to make sure that you know who you are in him, in your knowledge of God, and watch what's uncovered. What, it, it might be something like this. Stop eating after 7.30 p.m. I mean, I'm telling you. It might be that. It might mean... Uh, you know, tell your wife when she looks pretty that she looks pretty. <laughs> it might mean quit complaining. 
Are you willing to take that kind of responsibility and put that kind of stuff into practice? Because if you apply those things, then it gets bigger and it gets bigger and it gets bigger and it gets bigger and more and more consistent. But are you actively applying the little things that he's prompting you to put into practice right now? I'm telling you, you could take it five, you could sit down for five minutes. If you pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit. If you don't pray in the Spirit, don't worry. It's not of the devil. Come to me. I'll help you understand it. It will get you praying in the Spirit. Uh, it's a good thing. And it actually tills up the heart. You know, when you pray in the Spirit, it's kind of like you're giving God permission to pray through you. It's really all it is. You're just, you're just, you're just saying, God, I don't, I don't know, you know, and, and you let it out. And because mankind has dominion on this planet and life and death are in the power of the tongue, you are yielding to him. There is scientific evidence that uh, your brain lights up in a different hemisphere than communication when you are praying in the spirit, meaning it's not intelligible words to you. But there is some kind of uh, transaction happening. And it's interesting because the part of the brain that lights up, the part of the brain that they observe, mimics people who have, it's kind of funny, brain trauma that, for, that, that can't reason where they are in space and time. Like they can't determine what time it is and it, like almost an amnesia type thing. But they're in their clear mind and the part of their brain lights up that almost disassociates with time and space. Like an eternal thing, like an eternal connection that even your brain reflects. I love that. All you're doing is you're just yielding to God to pray through you. Who doesn't want that? I want that. Will you do that? Because I really would love to hear the stories of what you got. And, and honestly, we're looking for earth-shattering revelations. We're looking for insights that nobody else has heard of in the Word. You don't need to hear that stuff. It's, it's, if it's practical and if it's something that you can do consistently every day, it's probably God, especially if it's a scripture. You know, so last idea, one of the things that you can do to just kind of put more in there in your heart so that there's something to work with is read Proverbs. You can read a chapter of Proverbs every day because there's such incredible wisdom within there, such just basic wisdom in there that God will call those things out and show you how to take steps. Now, this demystifies hearing God, but it honors Christ's description of how the Holy Spirit will work in and through you and how he will lead and guide you. Are you with me? And if we can do that, if we can be a body of Christ and the body of Christ on this planet in a real way can honor and acknowledge God and begin to actually apply his instruction, not just law, not just do this, don't do that, and I obeyed God, and therefore God's happy with me because I obeyed a law. No, it's like he's, the, the law has been removed. That is not the standard to which God is relating to you. The standard to which God is relating to you is I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Now, let's get busy living in this kingdom on this planet, and here's how you do it and he will consistently speak to you. Amen? Amen. Will you do it? I, I've even started doing it more myself, and it's interesting. It's the silly little things. I'm telling you, you're, you're going to start, and you're going to hear something that, that seems meaningless. But don't judge it as meaningless. Put it into practice. Amen? Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. 
and we thank you for your spirit. And we thank you that your spirit highlights your word. We make the decision that we want the eyes of our heart to be enlightened. We want to consistently bring glory to your name. We want to apply your word in such a way that, uh, that fruit happens in our lives, that we are experiencing transformation, and all those little steps that we can take, that we can put into practice your instruction, builds a life that brings you glory. Builds a life that represents the gospel. Builds a life that shows people God is real. That there's no way. You know, I, I, can, see, I can see this, that some of you that begin to do this, people are going to look at you and say, there's, how did you do that? What did you do? What are you doing? What's your secret? You're, this is what you're going to hear. You're the luckiest person I know. I'm telling you. That's what some of you are going to hear that. You're the luckiest person I know. Father, we thank you that it's not luck. It's an application of your wisdom. We trust you. We will apply your word. We believe you are leading us and guiding us. And we yield to you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. And thank you to those of you who support Forward Ministries financially. You truly are changing the way the world sees God. You're helping people detox from performance-based religion and experience God's love for them. We're committed to helping you renew your mind so you'll experience transformation and move forward in every area of your life. I pray you're making this heart journey. Visit my website at clintbyers.com for hundreds of free teachings and articles that will empower you to renew your mind and put on your eternal identity in Christ. I'm especially excited about my tools for transformation that have original music and modern technology designed to help you slow down and connect with the Spirit of God in your heart. I'd like to invite you to partner with Forward Ministries. Help us continue to spread the gospel and develop resources that are empowering people to grow in their identity in Christ. Thank you again for joining me. I pray God's blessings and promises over you and your family today.